You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle, and today on the Jets Nation Podcast, we're going to take a look at FanFest. We're going to talk about training camp and what you can learn from it, plus some of the position battles, and we'll take a look at the new third jersey it has been leaked online. All of that and more on today's show. So first off, we want to look at training camp going on this weekend at Bell MTS Iceplex. And a part of training camp, and I guess we can throw this kind of into segment number one, Fan Fest going on Saturday as well. That starts at 8 a.m., goes until 4. Uh, basically, one of the nice parts about this weekend is that if you want to see these Jets players up close and personal, maybe have a chance at autographs, maybe get a chance to even talk to some of them, depending on timing with everything. Uh, this is a great weekend to do it. Training camp, everybody kind of back in the city, excitement, everybody. Everybody's excited that they're back. Yeah, definitely. It's the time of year where everybody's starting to think about hockey again. Everybody's getting excited uh, in and around Winnipeg, really all around Manitoba, um, especially with uh, the way last season went and the hope that they have this season for the Jets. So yeah, if you're wanting an autograph, if you're wanting pictures, anything like that, definitely a great time. Check it out this weekend. Uh, I know me and you actually went a few years ago to the Prospect uh, camp and watched uh, a practice and uh, things like that going on. It's always unique seeing these players uh, outside of a game and, and watching them practice and watching them do different drills and stuff. is definitely a unique atmosphere uh, that you can't really see anywhere else. So I would definitely recommend uh, if you haven't ever before to check something like this out. I've never been to FanFest before. It looks like a lot of people there, and it looks like it's a lot of fun. Are you planning on going at all on Saturday? Unfortunately, I have plans already on Saturday. I couldn't make it. These plans have been in place for a long time already, but it's definitely a fun event. It looks like a blast, and I'd love to go in the future, but unfortunately not this year. Well, I'm hoping to maybe stop in a bit in the afternoon uh, at FanFest. I have some other things going on in the city, so uh, if you do uh, see me out there, uh, make sure to say hey and uh, maybe chat a little bit about if uh, about the podcast or whatever else you want to talk Winnipeg Jets-wise. Uh, it should be fun, though, uh, going on tomorrow, but that's just a part of training camp. There are actually serious stuff going on on the ice during this FanFest that people can watch and take part in, and so that's really kind of what we want to talk about now is what's what are you thinking about what are you looking at going into training camp and what should people be watching for so the number one thing going into training camp that um, maybe is missing is Josh Morrissey and, and you can talk about all the things going on well who's there the different groups are breaking up into but the fact remains that there is still one Winnipeg Jet that is not reporting to training camp because he has no contract uh, so if you look at the training camp list he's not on them he's not a part of this deal with the groups. He's not on the ice at all. He he has been skating in Winnipeg. Uh, most of the Jets already have been in Winnipeg for the last number of days. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works, how they get to all skate together. They basically have official practices, but unofficially. Right, exactly. And I think the difference was it was uh, Adam Oates, I think, kind of leading one of the sessions, uh, kind of renowned trainer, former NHL player, uh, not actually the coaching staff per se. Um, so I think that's maybe the big difference. But yeah, Morrissey was out there with these guys, uh, joking around, having a good time. But when the official business starts on Friday, Morrissey is not going to be there until he gets his contract actually signed. Right, exactly. And that's just the biggest difference. Basically, just a technicality, why Morrissey isn't there. Again, we've talked about this on a number of podcasts. We're expecting it to happen soon. We don't think it's going to wait till the start of the season. He might miss a couple of preseason games because that's coming up soon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Monday night, actually, the first preseason game coming up. Uh, so it's actually very short order that they have to get this team kind of ready to, ready to play. Uh, my only issue with Morrissey, I don't really care um, when he signs, obviously sooner rather than later. 
But if he is missing a couple weeks of camp, I'm wondering if that will affect him going into the season, just not getting that that readiness with the other players, not getting that that under his belt. I think you're only going to notice that in the first couple games, maybe. I think for the casual fan and the casual person watching, you're maybe going to notice in the first one or two after that. Like, a lot of the veterans aren't even playing that many preseason games anyways, and I already start to put Morrissey in the veterans category. I'm not really worried about him if he misses even all of the uh, preseason games. I know there is something to be kind of getting your legs underneath you again, but he's been skating. He is skating on his own if he's not with the team. I think Josh Morrissey is going to be fine. But heading into training camp, what are you looking for? Do you think anything actually gets decided in training camp? I honestly think it does. And with a season like this, the Winnipeg Jets, if you look at their offseason acquisitions, it's pretty short. Uh, there is none. So you're looking at this team, and it's the exact same team from last year. Well, Brassois. Brassois, yes. He, I think he's the only one being brought in to potentially make the, the NHL roster. Right, the other guys who few, have signed all minor league players. Exactly. So you're not looking at in previous years where guys like Hendricks were signed, Matthias were signed, new guys coming in, taking some of these spots. You now have entirely a promote one from within mentality going other into the season. Other than Vesalainen, technically, who's been signed, but he's already been always been a part of the system. It's not new, technically. Right. Other than exactly. now he has a contract. Yeah. That's the only difference. That's the only difference. But you now have these guys fighting for spots that weren't necessarily there a year ago, two years ago. And I think it really opens it up. And I think there is a lot to be decided in this training camp. Maybe not for who's going to be on the ice. Although I think that is actually a, a real battle that could be happening in the training camp. But it's also who's going to be staying with the team in, in a couple of weeks and who's going to be sent down to the moose. Yeah, no, I think I definitely do agree that there are things that are decided in training camp, but I think for the most part, a lot of coaches will have a pretty good idea of what they want going in. They've seen these players so much. They know what they're getting to a degree. And yeah, some guys are going to come in a little bit better shape than others. Some guys are going to come in and have their feet under them a little bit quicker than others. And there might be a few things like that. But I think for the most part, the coaching staff has a pretty good idea. And then now it's just the player's job to either solidify that opinion or try and change their mind. I would imagine Paul Maurice would be able to start a lineup opening day, be ready to go, and he'd have his lineup pretty much set. There might only be one or two minor bottom-end guys that would change his mind. And then I think that's where exhibition comes in, where you can change your mind once the exhibition schedule starts. Actual training camp in just in straight practices, I don't know if you can always see it. Maybe a few things here and there, a little bit of compete, but I think those preseason games is where it really shows up. And so for hardcore fans who really want to look at some of those battles, but even a poor preseason or a hot preseason doesn't necessarily ensure you a spot either. No, definitely not. And... and even if you get a spot come day one of the regular season, maybe day two you get sent back down to the moose. And that's what happens when you have some of these guys that are waivers exempt. You can play around with that because it doesn't matter. So you might see that as well. Maybe maybe a guy like Tucker Pullman stays with the Jets for a couple days or Sammy Niku stays with the Jets for a couple days only to get sent down a week later because you have those options. And I think that's something the Jets might look for. Uh, so maybe kind of heading into segment three, we're going to maybe dissect these actual battles going on in training camp for these roster spots. Okay, so let's take a look at those players. I think for the most part, uh, the def on the let's start with the defensive side of things. Uh, really, the guys who are solidified: Bufflin, Morrissey once he gets his contract, Truba, 
uh, Myers, and Kulikov. Those five guys are completely set. They are your top five defensemen. So really, then, you just need to decide who is number six. Is it Sammy Niku? Does he play with Dustin Bufflin? Does he make this opening day lineup and make it into the top four or play bottom role, kind of a limited minutes position? Is it Ben Sherratt? He's played plenty of minutes. He's stuck around in the NHL club. Is it Joe Morrow? He came in in the playoffs. He played pretty well. I think those three guys are kind of battling for the... Oh, and Tucker Pullman. Uh, Tucker Pullman has been skating with the NHL group. Uh, So when you take a look at those four guys, they're battling for basically one lineup spot and one, maybe two spots in the press box. That still leaves one more guy, at least out of those four, with the Manitoba Moose. Yeah, so exactly like you said, if they go back to last year, it's Morrissey and Truba as the first pairing, um, whoever, and Bufflin as a second, and then Kulikov and Myers on the third pairing. Assuming Kulikov is healthy, he is coming off of back surgery, uh, he is coming off of a no-contact type jersey in his skates. Um, so if he is good to go and we put him on the third pairing, like you said, there's the battle for that last spot. I think Ben Sherratt has the edge based on his experience. He, he's played multiple seasons for the Jets. He's played with Dustin Bufflin before. I think he's almost a, a shoe-in to get that spot because of that. Um, that being said, you never know. Maybe this is one of those training camps, like you just talked about before, Niku really impresses in the preseason. Maybe Tucker Pullman is playing great. Tucker Pullman played a few games at the end of last year. Joe Morrow came in, had a huge goal in the playoffs, if you remember, uh, willing the Jets back, um, scoring a game-winner in, in the first playoff game. So each of these guys have kind of made their mark already but now it's who gets into the lineup and and like you said they're all fighting for that one spot I think maybe Sherrod has the edge but then now it's who's fighting to stay with the Jets yeah and I think uh Pullman uh just with his contract and with everything I think there's a shot he could stay in the press box but I also see Morrow as kind of a press box guy I see Joe Morrow kind of more as a press box guy because he's a little bit older has that experience he doesn't necessarily need to be with the Manitoba Moose and so I think that if you have Sherratt in the lineup you have Morrow in the press box I think potentially we could see Niku and Pullman down with the Moose I am personally not a huge fan of Ben Sherratt, so I'd rather see Niku in the lineup and try out Niku, uh, but uh, that's just kind of how I see it shaking out. Yeah, the weird thing, actually, you mentioned kind of the ages, and everybody assumes Tucker Pullman is kind of a young guy just coming off of a couple years now, um, but he's 25 years old. If you remember, he played out an entire degree. He is no longer a prospect. He's already pretty much a fully grown, a fully grown NHL man. But he doesn't have the pro experience. No, exactly. That's maybe the only knock against him. But if you look at Joe Morrow, they're actually very similar in age. I believe they're actually both 25 currently. Uh, Niku being kind of the only exception, being 21 years old, uh, still has room to grow, seen more of as a prospect. Uh, But the interesting thing is with Pullman's contract, like you said, Pullman and Niku do not require waivers to be sent down to the Moose. And I think that's essentially the biggest knock against them is that they can go down for free compared to a guy like Joe Morrow, a guy like Ben Sherratt. You wouldn't want to risk those guys because I'm sure there's teams out there that are looking to improve their defensive depth. Those guys would be gone in a heartbeat. Uh, So for me, I think it's Sherratt and Morrow staying with the team. Pullman and Niku, just with their contract situation, most likely going to be sent down. The only other option I can see is if the Jets want to run an eighth defenseman on the team and only have um, one extra forward. 
instead of one extra defenseman, that would be the only way one of those other guys makes a team. Otherwise, you're seeing two of those guys being sent down. Now, just quickly looking at the goalie battle before we get to uh, what's going on up front. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, he's the starter, hands down. He's going to get like... 70% of the work, 80% of the work. He's going to get a high percentage of the starts this season. And so really, it's a battle for the backup. Eric Comrie, he's putting some time in the with the Manitoba Moose. Laurent Brassois coming in in the offseason. Those two guys, I'm not sure what to expect from either of them. I think Comrie probably has a little bit more pedigree. Brassois a little bit older. Who do you want as the backup? Not getting that much time with Connor Hellebuck playing a majority of it. Do you put... Eric Comrie back in the Manitoba Moose again? Well, I think you do. And he hasn't been good in his NHL starts. He's had four of them. I think he's put up an 880 save percentage. You can argue the team in front of him has been bad. Yeah, he hasn't blown anybody away. And he hasn't been great. Um, but Brassois coming off of a few maybe not as great seasons as well. Um, having a little bit of a tough time at Edmonton there as well. I think it's essentially a toss-up between the two. Um, but... Hellebuck and Brassois know each other quite well, uh, similar or same trainers uh, in the offseason, that sort of thing. Maybe that familiarity helps Hellebuck, um, especially if he's playing so many starts, feels a little bit more comfortable with Brassois as backup. I think you want to specifically cater to Hellebuck and what's going to help him the most um, because he's more important than the backup. So how can you make Hellebuck flourish the most um, compared to one guy or, or the other for that backup role. And I think maybe Brassois, so maybe that's uh, the wrong way to look at it, but uh, that's how I'm coming no, at No, that's it. an interesting take. And I personally just go with whoever is better, but if it makes Hellebuck better having Brassois around and it makes things easier, um, I'm cool with either way. Uh, to me, honestly, it doesn't really matter. I think that I don't even know if one or two training camp or one or two exhibition starts, you're really going to get a good read on it either. I think they might go with starting one guy and then injuries come into play, but I think we'll just kind of have to wait and see. And this could be one of those ones where it goes back and forth even as the season uh, goes along. If one's just really not working, I could see that a switch being made. And so now we want to look up uh, or we want to look at what's going on up front. Uh, when these groups have been skating together and we saw them kind of just skating together kind of on their own without the coaching staff and even now, uh, it's kind of the way it's looked is that Lemieux, Patan, Veselainen, and Dano have been skating with the main group and then Mason Appleton, who some people thought could make the jump this year, kind of skating with more of the Manitoba Moose guys. Just kind of your thoughts on that initially? Well, it's obvious Dano's going to be with that group. Uh, he's been a, a perennial press box guy since he's come to Winnipeg. Uh, Patan, it makes sense as well, just given his, his number of games being played in the NHL. Uh, the interesting thing is Veselina and Lemieux and Appleton, I think those are the three that are really fighting for a spot on the club. Um, I think for sure Dano's on the roster again, like always. I think Patan can make the roster. Maybe it's in a press box role this year. And I really think it's the, the Veselina and Lemieux um, and Appleton kind of a, a dark horse candidate. I think it's essentially Veselin and Versa Lemieux for that last spot. Yeah, but like Appleton was one of those guys who really turned heads last year. I think before last year, not very many people knew who he was. A little bit of a later draft pick. Didn't come in with quite as high of profile, but he tore up the Manitoba Mooses last year. He was named the AHL's Rookie of the Year. He was named to the AHL uh, All-Rookie Team along with Sammy Niku. Uh, so both of those guys are just having a great season. And so for a lot of people in their minds was, oh, Appleton's having such a great year. 
maybe he's the guy who makes the jump the next year straight to the Winnipeg Jets. And I think when you look at some of his other numbers and what some people have said, a lot of his great rookie numbers were because he was playing with Roslevic, and that was definitely a part of it. And so I think we don't need to rush Mason Appleton just yet straight to the NHL, which kind of is shown here by the way uh, these training camp lineups look. And it's kind of funny that they don't mix them up. It's just all one or the other. But I guess you can then start to already make pairings and instead of just putting a guy into the with the main Winnipeg group who's not even going to have a chance this way they can actually look at realistic possibilities opposed to just something that's you know is not going to happen yeah a couple things here uh, Mason Appleton like you said uh it's easy to score points when you're playing with Patan and Roslevic in the AHL Roslevic over a point a game in the AHL last year uh Patan at a point a game so when you have both those skilled players easier to put points in the back of the net a little bit tougher when they're not on your line uh as well as the, as far as the groups go, I was listening to TSN 1290. They're talking about how uh, essentially this means business for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, having all the the top guys in one group, they're going to be upping their speed. They're going to be upping their intensity, getting everybody ready to go as soon as possible. They're not mixing everybody in together um, and, and maybe making up for a few slower guys. It's not like you have uh, Logan Stanley, Luke Green, a bunch of prospects playing against Shifley and Wheeler in, in these camps. You're having the top guys in one, the bottom guys in the other. So I think it's the the dynamic for the Winnipeg Jets is that they want to go full steam ahead. They mean business. They want this this top group in as good a shape as fast as possible going into the season. They're not um, they're not making exceptions for anybody, even their own prospects. So that's maybe one way to look at these two groups being made. And as far as uh, who makes the club out of Lemieux, Patan, Veselin, and Dano, I hope they all do, and I hope they can all get time. I really would like to see what Lemieux can do this year, and I heard somebody put a timetable on it. Patan really needs to make the uh, the Jets this year because you don't really want him to stay that much longer with the Moose. Lemieux could probably go one more year with the Moose, and I agree with that statement uh, if you had to. And then Veselin, if he goes back to Finland... Okay, I guess he's not ready. It's That's their decision. I hope he's ready. I haven't seen him yet personally for myself. I hope he's ready. Is there anything else you want to mention training camp-wise? No, I, I think, like you said, Veselainen's maybe that, that dark horse as well because nobody's seen him. So it's can he make the team. Uh, one thing I think that's getting lost in all this, maybe the last thing to note about training camp is, is Jack Rozovic for sure on the Jets? I would say yes. I think that the fact and that maybe he was... that's a dumb question. But if if you look at him, he split his time 50-50 last year. Yeah, but it doesn't matter where you started. Kyle Connor split time. He started the year with the Manitoba Moose as well. It's, to me, where you finish because you kind of pick off often where you left off. Jack Rosvick was playing for the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs when it mattered the most. And so for me, if you're having a guy who's in the playoffs when it mattered and there are other guys that were available... I think, and like he was playing ahead of Patan and ahead of Dano in the playoffs. I thought he looked good at times. At times, maybe you could tell he was a rookie. But I like the way he played, and I think that he's definitely got a spot to lose opposed to some other guys. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. It's just everybody is is taking Rozovic for granted in my mind. And and if you remember, he's only played 30-some games in the NHL. Uh, He split the time essentially half and half last year between the Moose and the Jets. 
So it, it, there's really not a huge profile to go off of, and everybody just seems like he's a lock almost to be the number two center for, for the Jets. A lot of people want him there between Ehlers and Line, and I think that's maybe a bit of a stretch. A guy who's only played 30 games and is so young. Well, you're right, and that's a great point. He does still need to earn it, opposed to a guy like Mark Scheifele. doesn't matter what he does really in training camp or exhibition. He's still got that number one role. It's not as imperative for him uh, to have a great training camp. Rozovic, there is still definitely stuff on the line. So that basically wraps up our coverage of training camp. I still want to get to this third jersey leak, and uh, we're going to get to that in our final segment. So for the final segment, Kyle, did you see these alternate third jerseys? Every team in the league is going to be having them, especially now changing jersey providers, always wanting to change and make more money and hockey-related revenue, etc. So these new third jerseys for the Winnipeg Jets apparently were leaked, and this uh, picture of this jersey was floating around online. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you can go to our Twitter, at Jets and Podcast. You can see them there. Uh, basically what it is, it looks like the... Um, Tampa Bay Lightning jersey, uh, kind of with like the blue, that color, not the regular Jets blue, but that color. And then it's basically just got the word Jets across, a white band on the arm, and that's it. Yeah, it, like, it's very plain. It's very plain. I'm personally not a fan. I think, and maybe this is just the very basic concept. They're still going to add a few, maybe Aviators logos or wings or a little Maple Leaf or something. But basically, it's just the text, this fancy font. Jets across the chest in white with like a dark blue pinstripe. It just looks so boring. And I saw somebody post up, it's kind of like uh, the Canadian Tire collection. So like what you'd get from a Canadian Tire or Walmart jersey, it looks very similar to that. Yeah, so check it out, uh, like you said, at Jets and Podcast. Uh, Jets Nation on Twitter as well, tweeting about it. Uh, tons of comments on the Jets Nation one. I was reading them earlier, right before our podcasting show. Uh, reviews, not good. Pretty much everybody hated the jersey. Um, it, it is very plain. I'm, I'm hoping the leak is not the 100% finished jersey. That That's my only hope, essentially. Um, I didn't think it was bad. If you maybe add a few extras, maybe a couple other uh, logos to spice it up. Uh, I like the idea of having the the word Jets across the jersey. I think that's a that's a good idea for the Jets, uh, different than their other ones in the past. Um, but the interesting thing I, I'm looking at is a lot of these other teams coming out with their alternate jerseys, your third jersey, whatever you want to call it. A lot of them are going retro. And you see the Anaheim Ducks bringing back the the old style '90s jerseys. You see some of those teams trying to kick it old school. Well, it's old as new again, they say. And the Jets opting to go something totally different and just writing Jets across their Jets across a blue shirt is essentially all it is. Um, a lot of people complaining that the Heritage Classic should have been used or something similar. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on it is that when other teams are going retro, the Jets, I don't really know what they're trying to do. That have a retro past. See, I am a, I am a fan of retro. It's kind of fun to have the retro jersey because there might be the odd guy that still has that old jersey, but there'd be a lot of new fans that would want kind of that retro throwback to what their parents had or what their family members had. I think the Jets should capitalize on that. They have retro jerseys to go back to. But this new look, not a big fan. I think that... As jerseys just evolve and as jerseys change, then there's room to go back in year in the future. But I think now is the time to go back and reflect. There's a lot of teams in the league that have really cool old jerseys that they should be going to, like Anaheim. 
I think the Jets should be doing the same. And again, of course, they don't. And ask you're talking about our opinion. Jets 1.0. I'm, t- I'm talking going back to 1.0 because there's nothing. It's been the exact same since they've been back. Yeah, and if, if they talking- want to do a cool Arizona Coyotes, cool little where that that weird desert dog looking thing, or I guess no, we'd have to go to Atlanta Thrashers. I, I was um, thinking now that you mentioned the Atlanta Thrashers, they actually had a very similar blue. Uh, on their jersey, if you remember back when they were still around in the mid two thousands, they actually did have maybe that blue. So maybe that's where they got that blue from, because um, that blue isn't quite matching what the the Winnipeg Jets one point no, had. I heard people calling it aviator blue. Yeah, so maybe that's a a nod to the Jets. It's maybe a nod back to those Thrasher days. I'd have to double check, but it looks pretty similar to those old Thrasher jerseys. Um, but the rest of it is kind of uninspired in my mind. Uh, so ho- hopefully once the actual jerseys get released, it's maybe spruced up a little bit, but regardless, I'm not quite sure what they're doing on that one. Well, that does it for our show today. If you want us to talk about anything, hit us up online. You can hit us up on Twitter at Jets and Podcast. Of course, you can find uh, past episodes and all sorts of other great articles, jetsnation.ca. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.